and welcome to Darker Days Radio. I'm here with H.C. O'Neill, the rules alpha for the fan-created sets of the Rage collectible card game based off of Werewolf the Apocalypse. And uh, she's better known on uh, White Wolf Forums as Fenris Lorsray. So, how are you? Pretty good. Though I'm going to quibble with you slightly on the rules alpha, because there is the other one who usually handles all of the nitpicky rules stuff. Um, I do more of the art and direction thing. We kind of fight back and forth on the rules, but he he, he does deserve a mention, which is Pixit Flies, um, who really did do the main overhaul on the rules set for Rage to actually make everything grammatical and make sense and agreement and all that stuff. He's very detail-oriented, so... It works very well. I have the big picture. He does all the little details. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I've only That's been paying okay. attention to Rage for like a couple weeks now, so... <laughs> it's okay. I, I just... He needs he needs credit for all the stuff he did, so... <laughs> mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest, Rage has been a very interesting card game from a historical point of view. I remember back in about 2001, 2002, I was very involved with the game Magi Nation, which is another collectible card game, which was on the... Uh, the G engine from CCG Workshop. And Rage was like the, the card game that everyone wanted to be. Like, it didn't have any support really from the uh, the parent company, but it was still thriving. And there was a lot of people that were very active. So uh, I guess I have been familiar with it, but just not too much into the uh, the details and uh, and who's who among the player base. So I think that's a, a good place to start. Let's talk about the history of Rage a little bit. All right. Well, Rage originally came out in 1995, and it was during the original glut of CCGs after Magic the Gathering, when everyone went, oh my god, we can make money selling cards to people. It's like cardboard crack. Um, so they did sort of pushed this to market, and it came out in the whole wave of a lot of CCGs that all came out at the same time, most of which then promptly died off, and there's all kinds of things that came out at that time that you've never heard of and never heard from again. And... Um, a lot of the things that go on with Rage and sometimes people complain about are a product of that era when CCGs were so new that people didn't quite understand how they they would play out because many of the problems that Rage sometimes still has and people complain about were problems that Magic originally had. And uh, Rage came out in 1995 in its limited edition and then immediately released the unlimited edition and they only changed a very, very tiny amount of stuff in it. Uh, Like printing errors is basically what happened. Um, So it didn't benefit from, well, Magic had first edition and then there's a little bit of a lag and then had second, third, fourth, 87th edition. So each time they could get to clean things up and realize how people interacted with the cards because one of the things that nobody realized back in the early days of CCGs was that people would buy all of the cards. All of them. That people, that rarity was not a way to control power level in the game. People would buy cards until they had every single legal copy they could of super ultra rare and just crush people with money effectively. So uh, that sort of didn't work out so well um, in many early CCGs. And as you went through the early sets of Rage, you could see them started dialing that in and um, there's some there were some very broken cards that were in the limited, unlimited, 
and then as they went through each set, they got better and better on playtesting and figuring out what the relative power level should be between cards. And Legacy of the Tribes, which was the very last printed set from White Wolf, was actually pretty well internally balanced. And there weren't as many cards that were fundamentally broken and people just screamed in agony at when they came out on the table. Uh, there's only one of those from Legacy of the Tribes, and that's King Albrecht, who is understandably the most powerful card in that block. Um, Total Rage put out five sets, which, well, six theoretically, which was Rage Limited. Unlimited is almost identical to Limited. There's just a small difference in whether or not they have a hologram on them or not. There's very little wording difference. They did change one card type between them, but they were actually released the same year and didn't really change much structurally. The next set up was the Umbra, which introduced rules for going to the spirit realm and stuff. The Worm really shook things up because it introduced as a playable faction, you could play the bad guys. You could control them and you could totally try and decimate the other people, mold them horribly. The next set up was War of the Amazon, which is where they started to real really started to dial in on dealing with some of the weaknesses that were inherent to collectible card games and also with the distribution structure that was going on because they had problems with that and uh, it created some problems that then carried over to the final set, Legacy of the Tribes. Part of what was going on in the background there is Legacy of the Tribes was in 1996. So that's 1995 to 1996. They put out five sets um, the lead time on those was obviously not very long to get them into print and then out the door. So sometimes it was very hard to correct things as they were going on. So basically what was happening kind of with White Wolf at the same time is um, they... I'd have to check the year as to whether it was actually 95 or 96 when they put it out, but I think it was 96 because the advertisement cards were in War of the Amazon. They decided to put out another CCG called um, Arcadia the Wild Hunt, which was based on Changeling, and they overprinted it a lot, and they'd overprinted almost all of the Rage sets, the first three of them, so they'd overprinted those, and so they were ending up sitting on a huge amount of inventory, which is tying up a lot of their money which was giving them real financial problems because they've got all of this money tied up in the product and it's just not moving, which then created a perfect storm with War of the Amazon where they basically said to their retailers, we're not going to print any more cards than you order ahead of time, which nobody else had done before. And the retailers did not believe them, which meant that as soon as it hit the streets, the box price spiked from about $42 to about 200 at release, uh, which really did a number on Rage's sales. But you could still get the previous three sets for pretty cheap, actually, which was not bad. Legacy of the Tribes, they finally righted the ship and produced sort of the right size set compared to what they were actually selling but they'd also had this all going on with Arcadia the Wild Hunt and King Ironheart Smad which was a sequel to that and uh, they also overprinted to some extent so they decided the way to write the ship at that point was to axe the entire CCG department to try and stabilize things and that was pretty well the end of Rage for a while and then they sold it off to a different company which at that point was Five Rings Publishing, who was producing Legend of the Five Rings. And 
So they decided they were going to develop Rage again as a, a property, which was a property of Werewolf the Apocalypse. So they promised this was going to be out at, I believe it was 1998, I think. It was 98 or 99, and I'm, and they said, this is going to be out at Gen Con this year. Gen Con came, Rage did not. So the, the fan base is rather annoyed with this. They move on, it comes out the next year at Gen Con, the new Rage is completely 100% incompatible with the original Rage. This is not a good thing. They had promised up until the day of the release, this game will be at least 90% compatible with the old cards you have, and then they delivered a product that was 100% incompatible with every card that every fan owned. And then they released it under this Rolling Thunder um, distribution scheme, which nearly bankrupted Five Rings and sank their flagship game and was a general giant mess. So one of the things that kind of went wrong with Rolling Thunder, and could you could kind of indicate just how bad things were going with it, is they, they were originally going to do a monthly release of this and release a set every month. Unfortunately, there was no base set for this new version of Rage, which was in- completely incompatible with the previous version, and now all the Rage players were pissed off at you. Um it's kind of like you were promised Star Wars and you were and you were delivered Star Trek. Didn't 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 go over exactly well. So they were relying almost entirely on new players that had not played the previous version of the game. And so they're effectively going out with an untested game, but they sold a this will be a big thing to their retailers. And so the retailers got burned on the first set. Then they weren't ordering the monthlies because now they've got it piling up in the store and they're not selling through. So they're not making their money back on it. At that point, I was going back and forth between school. And so I was home for a little bit. And at that point, one of the sets was going to come out. And so I went to the Wizards of the Coast store in the mall, who at that point had just bought out Five Rings a couple months prior. So was carrying all their product. And I said, I would like to buy Rage. And they said, we do not carry it. And I said, can I pre-order it? Can I prepay for it and have you deliver it to the store and I will pick it up? And they said, no, we will not sell you our own product, which sort of indicated things had gone horribly wrong with distribution. They went through six of those sets for Rolling Thunder, decided this was a terrible idea, and then slapped together the last three sets into a giant set called Equinox. And sold that in this giant combo box thing. White Wolf was kind of annoyed with them, and um, so that things were going back and forth on the license for a little bit, and they were slowly selling through things, and meanwhile Wizards is bought out by Hasbro. Um, Hasbro decides they're going to consolidate uh, down all the CCGs and basically put everything that's not Pokemon, Magic, or Legend of the Five Rings onto a status that they call classic, which means we're only going to put out a set every two years or something like that. They, they, They were a little vague on it. So there was about 30 different games that got sent onto this classic status. This included, um, at the time, um, Vampire the Eternal Struggle, which was based on Vampire the Masquerade, which was another property owned by uh, Wizards at that point, uh, which they had licensed mm-hmm. from White Wolf. So Hasbro had ended up with both of the White Wolf um, CCG titles at that point by sheer accident of buying up everything and kind of gob- gobbling up many, many different 
properties all at once. And so they put them all on this classic status. And then they said, okay, whether or not we'll continue with classic status, we're going to base on the sales of the expansion for a game called Netrunner. Have you ever heard of Netrunner? I have indeed, and it's really expensive on eBay, and apparently really awesome. It is apparently a very, very good game, but it was a self-contained game and almost didn't need an expansion. Mm. I mean, the people that love it, it is apparently a really great game. If you want something in that kind of cyberpunk genre, if you don't like that genre, you probably won't like the game, and it's it's really only a two-player game, and... It really didn't need expanding, so basically they released an expansion for that, which is really, really expensive on eBay, even more so than the original Netrunner, and basically said, well, gee, that failed. We're just going to axe everything else because clearly that doesn't work. So they basically kind of took a bunch of things from completely different genres and that had followed completely different structures and pricing things, and that said, you know what, we, we can tell just from this one that it's not going to work for this. And so axed everything, including Vampire the Eternal Struggle and Rage. Uh, Both licenses then reverted back to White Wolf. And at that point, because they no longer owned the license, Five Rings, which was owned by Wizards of the Coast, which is owned by Hasbro, remember they've been gobbling each other up at this point, um, determines that the remaining stockpile of Equinox, which they still had in their warehouse, was to be destroyed. So they destroyed that, and um, so the prices for Equinox have are very, very high. It's very hard to get compared to the other sets for that whole distribution for the, the second version of Rage because of that destruction that went on. So the licenses reverted back to White Wolf. White Wolf decided they were going to produce Vampire the Eternal Struggle themselves, and when they initially went to put it on sale. They sold out of the entire print run before release. Rage, they were kind of hold back on because obviously Vampire the Masquerade was a much more popular game as was Vampire the Eternal Struggle. Vampires almost always trump werewolves in popularity. So uh, that's not surprising that they were doing that. They also had to build back up because when they took back Vampire the Eternal Struggle, they didn't have a CCG department, so they were building from the ground up. So it was kind of waiting on that. So meantime, they dis- another outfit, which was called um, Asriel Productions, which was doing some magazine stuff, basically acquired the license from White Wolf again. And they were going to produce both versions of Rage simultaneous. So they were basically doing tournament support and writing strategy articles and things that were going on. But then there came up a terrible problem. Turned out that one of the things that Azriel really wanted to do is they wanted to introduce Rage as being a playable online. And they couldn't. Because White Wolf, apparently from what we had heard back and forth, it was... The, the legal details are a little hard to get because obviously there's all kinds of legal wrangling that was going on was apparently that somehow some of the rights for online play for Werewolf were tied up in a piece of vaporware called Werewolf the Heart of Gaia, which was a video game based on Werewolf the Apocalypse and had bought effectively the rights to produce all of the content that was playable content online. Now, mind when they had done that way back when, the internet was kind of this new and shiny thing, and they really didn't understand how it was going to work, at the, or that they might want multiple things going on at the same time. 
So that piece of vaporware never showed up. You can find trailers for it and some play scenes, actually, on uh, YouTube if you want to look it up. It's called Heart of Gaia. And it has some pretty cool-looking uh, animation in it. It's a little dated because it was 3D-type first-person shooter kind of stuff. Uh, it's around the same kind of level of animation of maybe Doom or something. It's kind of interesting. It did have kind of a weird setup where you were playing the last White Howler, but um, it had some interesting stuff in it. it is wor- it's worthwhile looking at. Um, it looks very dated because it, it was a piece of vaporware that was never actually produced. They did actually try to produce a completely different video game as well, which I think was for the PlayStation, and I can't remember the name of it offhand, but there's a lot of vaporware associated with Werewolf, where they they said they were going to do something and it didn't come out. There was also a um, collectible miniatures game that they were going to do based on that, and that never came out either. You can find sculpts of some of the the critters on it, but that's not entirely relevant to this. But there was a lot of stuff going on with Werewolf that just never quite materialized, and Rage sort of got into that whole mess. So basically that was what went on with Asriel. And meanwhile, because Asriel had the license at the time, they did start developing cards for the anticipated new set that would be coming out. And the original plan there, which is where I came in, basically, I don't remember exactly what I was, my original title was, but I was supposed to be the art director and do the um, storyline stuff because it, it was that time and period in CCGs where everyone had to have a storyline where each set had a storyline that tied it together and they were doing all kinds of tournaments where the tournament outcome affected what happened in the storyline and that sort of thing. Uh, so I was brought in to do that and there were a couple other people that were working on Rage, most of whom are gone at this point and are no longer working with Rage, uh, but started developing that. And the original plan by Asriel is they were going to bring out a new version of Rage Apocalypse and they were going to bring out a version of Rage Tribal War at the same time. Uh, as two separate games and develop them, and that was where the split in the name came because there was major confusion because when they brought out Rage, to start with, uh, when Five Rings brought it out, they kept the same card backs and exactly the same name, but the rules were completely incompatible. They looked very similar. I mean, they used the same source material, but mechanically were extremely different. So they were basically going to kind of rebrand them and make it much clearer to people which which one was which but we're going to develop both of them at the same time and they had acquired the license from white wolf to do that but that tie up with not being able to do anything online just as that that wave was really hitting of you know the internet is really you can play games across the internet and you can interact with people that way and really play across the internet and get this whole thing going uh, was just at that point and it just never quite materialized. So with Rage Apocalypse, they were going to originally put out six starter decks, which were going to have some new content in them, and then reprint some stuff from older sets, sort of both the greatest stuff and some stuff that really needed fixing. That was The wording was unclear. It was just not clear what happened with it. It was broken, or it was unbalanced, or just just confusing and weird, and you, you had to read the card five times before you figured out what it did, that sort of thing. So they were going to clean up all that and introduce them in these six starter decks. And the starter decks were originally going to have, I think, 30 or 40 renown worth of characters in them, and they would have at least two versions in them where 
220 renowned decks, which is the standard play size for a deck. You could reconfigure the characters in them to get two or three standard set decks out of them. So they were going to be like a little bit bigger than most starter decks for games. So you'd be, effectively, you'd be buying a single starter, but be getting two or three base set decks effectively that you could build out of a single starter. And um, it, which was a, a clever idea. So basically you could, if you bought two starters, you know, one for you and one for a buddy, um, you could then build a couple different decks out of it. You'd, you'd have to keep cannibalizing cards out of it, but you, you'd have several options. Asriel eventually, because this was going on with the trying to get the online rights and stuff, eventually ran out of money and time to do something with and eventually folded. And uh, basically what they said is, you know, okay, you guys have done all this work on it and uh, all this stuff. We're going to step back and we're going to say we're not going to hold any rights to it because you know what? We lost the license. We don't care. We're not going to get it back. <laughs> so we're going to basically clear this and say you can do whatever you want with this, all of you people that worked on and did playtesting and stuff. And um, I'm going to tell you that way back when we actually did playtesting on internet chat using um, a random number generator and going back and forth and sometimes you're you're printing stuff out and you're using these spoilers and you're arguing with people on the internet on a a dial-up modem about these things so uh, it was really kind of low tech at that point compared to what we're doing oh yeah <gasps> seriously yeah, that's the best like aol instant messenger oh, playing yes. the car games did that a couple times it's it's slow <laughs> It's kind of slow. And you're sitting there using a random number generator to generate the draws, which at that point was considered really high tech. It's like, ooh, Mm -hmm, a random mm -hmm. number generator. How exciting. Um, And you kind of had to trust the other guy was not cheating with the random number generator because you couldn't get these, like, what you have for many chat programs now where you can see the role occur in the chat program and stuff. So you just couldn't, couldn't tell. They could be cheating. Who knows? Um, so you, you had this going on for a while with people playtesting, and um, at that point, it's kind of like, well, we got this far, and we've got all this stuff, and White Wolf isn't doing anything with Rage, so we approached White Wolf at that point and said, we're, we're at this point, can we release these? And they said, okay, sure, comply with our guidelines for the Dark Spiral website and all that good stuff, and you can go ahead and develop these as cards. And they also, so the first of those came out, which was kind of the very first set that we did was called um, Intermezzo, which was a teeny-weeny little set of about 15 cards, which we had cherry-picked out of this pile of things we thought were interesting and were easy to deal with. And so um, that came out in 2003. And then 2004, we brought out another set called Periphery, which was early 2004. Then at the end of 2004, we brought out a much bigger set, which was the main bulk of the cards that were originally from that that uh, cannibalized decks, which is called Gauntlet. And then the very last set of that pile was called Coda. And that block was eventually referred to as the New England block because basically we had done the setup when we were building the decks for the... Uh, where it it was kind of going to be centered around King Albrecht's court, which is somewhere up in New York State, who's the main heavy hitter and werewolf of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And then in 2006, we got 
official permission from White Wolf because we'd been going back and forth with them for a little while doing this. And I'd been personally speaking with Ethan Scamp, who was the uh, werewolf developer at that time. And we'd also been doing some storyline stuff, which was going on in the background as we're releasing things, uh, you know, setting a, a framework around the cards of what's going on. So he proofread all of the uh, the stuff that came in to make sure it, it actually fit with um, the setup of werewolf and what was going on in the background. We didn't have any glaring errors. I think he called me on a couple typos and that was about it and i think we changed one thing at one point where i think someone's rank was wrong or something it was it just didn't jibe with something that was coming out that i didn't know about so it was checked for um consistency it's actually much more consistent with werewolf the apocalypse is a uh, general background than a lot of the licensed fiction that they did through stuff like harper collins mm-hmm. which was sometimes a, a little bit strange. So this was all read at that time and we had a pretty good relationship going on with White Wolf where we're releasing these and they put them on their uh, website and um, they'd announced them on the front page of the website that one of these was out and you could download the new set and print it off at home and all this good stuff. And they basically said in 2006 because we'd asked a couple times because there were some cards that were really, really, really broken and had been um, banned from play because they were so bad. We said, because you're not doing anything. It's clear at this point that you're not going to reprint this. Because we'd been going back and forth a couple times, and they'd said, you know, oh, we might do something with this. We'll do something with this when, when we, we, after we, we've got the Exalted card game out, which turned into vaporware for them again. Um, yep. And said, okay, we're going to, can we reprint 18 terrible cards and make them better and they said okay so they officially let us reprint including the original artwork from those cards because we did have to get permission to do that specifically from white wolf because they owned the artwork uh this virtual reprint of the 18 most broken cards which we referred to as rage's least wanted it happened to coincide with a um set for vampire the eternal struggle which was i I believe, called Vampires Most Wanted. Um, So we released those. And after that, 2007 was when we started doing the Ahadi block, which is all of the shapeshifters in Africa and in Werewolf the Apocalypse is a big setup of stuff that's kind of going on in the background of all the non-Guru shapeshifters finally making peace with the Guru and let's go beat on the worm and actually not be complete and total assholes to each other for a little while and actually being hopeful and nice to each other it was it was very strange for the for the world of darkness it, there was actual brief hope before everything went to hell again at least setting wise so that's kind of where we are with ahadi at the moment which is spread out a bit the very first thing that we did for that was called a uh, war council which was much in the same sort of vein and then the next set that we came out with was called Rainmakers which was actually the first set that we did that introduced an actual new faction to Rage which introduced the Ajaba were hyenas who are cool and I love then we did a very small follow up set to that called Rainfall and in 2009 we did another set called uh, Sahel and then there was a big break because um, we had been using an online player 
called the Gatling engine, which you mentioned at the start, which was being used for uh, Imagination Duel uh, mm -hmm. as well. The Gatling engine kind of exploded in between there. Uh, I think it was 2008 that it exploded. Um, it had... I can't remember originally what year we started using Gatling Engine, but uh, when Rage started using Gatling Engine, there were some other card games that were using that to play online with. And uh, we ported it over, and then it was kind of casually mentioned in passing to um, the White Wolf people that we had ported this over, and they went, Wait, what do you mean you ported this over? So then apparently... Um, had a, a talk with the Gatling engine, um, and there was a very brief fear that they were going to pull it off the Gatling engine, and then they re uh, um, officially licensed it to appear on the Gatling engine, uh, along with Vampire the Eternal Struggle, because they'd been trying for a while to produce a um, program where you could play Vampire the Eternal Struggle online, and just had not been doing so, and... Um, it had this easy port on, so there was a, a while there where they were both together, and um, then it got so busy on the Gatling engine that they actually separated them into two servers of Vampire the Eternal Struggle and then everything else, which included Rage. Um, and then about 2008, the Gatling engine started having problems and eventually melted down and exploded and just faded into the sunset. And so Sahel was actually released during the downtime of that, um, where we were kind of, the Gatling engine was up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and uh, really, really unreliable at that point. And we were looking for some alternatives and there were a whole bunch of other alternatives that were almost to the point of working, but weren't quite yet. And it finally won out that Rage went over to a program called Lackey. Lackey turned out to be probably the better choice because uh, Lackey is actually playable on Mac and PC. And you can talk to each other, which unlike a lot of programs where if it's on a Mac, you have to be on a server only for Macs, uh, you can actually talk mm -hmm, to each mm -hmm. other and you can play someone that's on a different system entirely. And so that's where we are at the moment. We just released a set called Hellcats, which is available for download, and you can print it out and play at home, or you can play it on Lackey, and we're now playtesting the next set, which is called Curse of Set. Hmm, I think might it possibly involve some of the vampires from uh, oh, Vampire the uh, Masquerade as well. It's the big crossover kind of thing that's going on there. All right, the history of Rage took a long time. Uh, it's very complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... No, that's fine. It's It's got a very long history at this point, over 15 years. And one question I had during all this is, uh, how have you seen the, the player base really change? Because you've got the original Rage Apocalypse that White Wolf put out. Then you had the, the Tribal War, which may have kind of split the, uh, the game's fans into two camps. And then now you've got this whole online uh, society developing. So could you uh, just talk about that real briefly? There is a few people that's still around from the early, early days. I'm one of them. <laughs> yes, I, I, I originally started playing in 1995. Isn't that terrifying? So there, there's not a whole lot of people that are originally around and have been continuously active that you could see necessarily because there were various mailing lists going on at various times and some forums and so on that were available so they've kind of waxed and waned in activity level. And a lot of the people that were originally around right at the very beginning 
uh, took a break at some point and just never popped back up. And we're actually finding a lot of players that remember fondly playing this when they were in teenagers in high school or in early college, and they've recently dusted off their car, were cleaning out and dusted off their cards and are happy to find, oh my goodness, there's still people playing this. There's actually quite a few of them that actually have uh, small children now, so they're actually teaching their small children how to play this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. So that makes things kind of interesting. Uh, Tribal War has kind of dropped, died pretty well. Uh, there's still a few people that play it. Uh, we don't tend to see them online very much because of the dispute kind of with Hasbro effectively um, because it did briefly it had that jaunt over into being with Five Rings and Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro and basically what happened is White Wolf owns the license Hasbro owns the rules <laughs> so we sort of did a set for tribal war that was that fixed a few problems that were just kind of never addressed and sort of completed the game and finished it off uh we did two sets which were called web of deceit and christmas present which literally was actually released for christmas um and finished that off and they were sort of kind of not really legal with hasbro and uh we kind of don't advertise them as much uh for that reason um, but Hasbro did hear at one point that we were looking at doing the port onto the Gatling engine, and uh, at that point said, no, you may not do that. If we're going to do anything with Rage, we're going to do it through our official Magic player thing, and they never seem to have added any games to that except Magic. So um, mm -hmm. they basically said no and didn't do that. So we really don't see too many of the Tribal War players. We'll see them every now and then. There's a few little dedicated groups that we know still exist here and there that play this, you know, as a beer and pretzels kind of game. You know, they'll get together every couple of months and be like, hey, we haven't played that in a while. Let's play that. Sort of on their regular gaming night. Cool. And speaking of beer and pretzels, let's move on to the Rage rules and all the mechanics that were involved with this game. So I guess just to start off, as someone who's like pretty new to it and kind of looking around, first thing is like how you really get started nowadays. I know you've got some pre-constructed decks for yes. free uh, for download, which is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, there's one that's Banes, which is the, the, the evil bad guys, and then the other one is the Bonoers and the Mokole, which is called Urban Legends, which is basically your urban werewolves and their pet sewer gators. Um, I mean, it's very much, you can download and print off and play those, or um, really you can start with any of the print-and-play sets that are available, because there's now enough cards that you don't have to buy the original cards. It's great if you do, but you don't have to. You can just print and play them at home. Or if you want to just play online, you can don't download the um, Lackey. And there's easy instructions on the Rage website for doing that. And then you get access to all of the cards ever made, including all the rare promos and stuff, because they're all on there. But if you want to get started, you can do start with the print and play stuff, which is really easy. Or you can buy cards off of uh, eBay pretty easy. Um some of the sets are some of the original printed rage sets are hard to find but there's still unlimited sets that are out there and you can buy you know a whole mess of them you can frequently buy a whole box worth of stuff enough for you and your buddies to uh, play rage at home uh, around the uh, kitchen table there uh, for about 20 bucks actually so it's actually pretty affordable compared to other stuff um or if you're going to print and play the decks at home i mean since the cost on printing has really fallen color printing has really fallen you can print off probably one of the decks for maybe in the range of, you know, 
four or five dollars if you have to take it to Kinko's. If you got your own color printer, it may actually be even cheaper. So it's actually pretty pretty affordable. Um, if you decide, you know, I'd really if you if you don't know what you're doing, we we suggest you download the print and play ones and start with because those are fully constructed. You do not have to build your own deck. It comes preset and it tells you how to play it and all that good stuff with it and tells you how to do it. You do still have to read the rules to figure out how to do it, but it does tell you what is this deck supposed to do? What is my goal? What are How do these cards interact with each other? You have the same kind of thing on uh, Lackey um, and uh, there are some pre-constructed decks that uh, will when you download Rage onto uh, Lackey, it will download the pre-constructed decks with it and if you um really don't know which of the the four decks that are the pre-constructed decks to start with i always suggest the black fury deck which is actually a tournament level deck that i used to kill people with um which was just slightly modified to make it a little bit simpler for beginners so of the four pre-constructed decks it's probably the most powerful and easiest for a new player the other ones are powerful but because they have some more complex interactions going on with them, if you don't know what you're doing, they're just a little bit harder to pull off the easy win with. So that's an easy way to get started. On the Rage website, we also have a... Obviously, there's the the big rules book, which has the complete and expanded rules that tells you everything. There's also a PDF quick start version of the rules, which basically gives you the general outline so that with the card types and how they basically all work. Uh, without having to go into go read the big intimidating rules, which has lots of the little minute of you know how do you resolve conflicts and this kind of thing, you know how does this card interact specifically with this kind of card, and it's very much the 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 quick start is very much the streamlined. Okay, let's start playing, and then we can deal with the details later. So uh, Rage is a very good two-player game, unlike Vampire the Eternal Struggle, <laughs> but it also works out very well in multiplayer, right? Yes, it actually works. Uh, in some cases, it actually works much better in multiplayer because if you're playing straight-up combat decks, because there's a couple different strategies that you can use in Rage to try and win, and obviously the most straightforward, because you're dealing with werewolves, is uh, they kill things. If you're playing two-player that way and you're playing straight-up um, two-player combat they're actually usually fairly well matched in two-player um if you're playing a political deck versus a combat deck it doesn't always work so well frequently you would think the combat deck would be it would just totally crush the political deck uh usually it goes the other way and the political deck just makes the other person scream but it works pretty well in two-player for very basic stuff if you have a player that you know is really annoying and likes to play combo type decks usually only play that person in three or four player because then they'll their their combo it's more likely that someone will be able to disrupt their killer combo. Um, you can play virtually any number so long as you can still see people across the table. You can keep adding. Uh, the largest game I ever played in was a nine player game, uh, which took about wow. two hours to resolve. Usually a rage game, usually a four-player game, takes about 45 minutes. A two-player game will usually take about 30 minutes. Usually it's about 30 minutes at about 10 more for per additional player um, until you start getting to really ridiculous levels, in which case it may get really bad. Sometimes you will also have sudden death in those really big games because... Um, it will become a game of um, everybody jump on the leader, which sometimes will make the leader win. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the unusual things in Rage um, is you can win if you're dead. 
Yeah, and you win by accruing typically 20 victory points, yes. right? You need to get 20 victory points, which most of your victory points are probably going to come from killing things, which can be other players, characters, or allies. It could be enemies in the hunting grounds who are kind of free-ranging uh, almost random encounter type things um, who you can try and kill for points. Um, then you have political decks, which will get some additional points from doing political things. And there's also quests, which you can fulfill, you know, certain criteria and uh, it will give you points for that. Like you killed someone with a gun, you know, which is called Weaver's Quest, and you'll get one point for doing it that way. Or you can decide, I'm going to fight this thing mono a mono and not bring in any friends and it will you'll get one extra point for killing it that way so you can do quests in that and there's a few other random card types that will give you a, a point here and there for doing stuff but the majority of it is going to be come from combat and rage has two major modes of combat which is either the giant slobber knocker or the weenie swarm that kills you with the death of a thousand paper cuts um Rage is really, really good at simulating pack combat and is really fast doing that. So you can either have these giant characters that are, you've kind of got all your eggs in one basket, but they're these giant, larger-than-life, heroic werewolves who can shrug off gigantic wounds and keep going and um, can play these enormous combat card stuff that literally has names like entrail rend or cleft in twain and that sort of thing the combat cards do sometimes have these very descriptive names on them and uh graphic pictures in many cases depicting exactly what it is that's uh, that's happening and then of course the weenie swarm overwhelms by you have lots of small characters but they overwhelm through sheer mass um and they can all attack at once and take down much bigger prey. You're probably going to lose some of them in the process, but the idea is always get more points than you lose getting them. Um, and that's really the two major modes of combat. The mid-renowned characters, uh, you kind of have to be a little bit more clever with what you're doing. They tend to be more a little bit trick-oriented towards... Um, they'll usually have some other stuff that they're going to be doing. They may be doing something politically. Uh, they may have, you know, really cool equipment that they're using and that sort of thing uh, to kind of buff them up or uh, do something really clever. So, yeah, that's like, that's like how you win and some of the ways you go about it. But... Just as a, a new perspective player, it takes a look at a rage game going on. It's kind of cool to look at how it works because you've got, first off, your Sept deck, which contains all of your like power cards, equipment, uh, cairns, gifts, uh, and all of that. You've got your separate combat deck, which you, which you break out when you're actually in combat. Mm -hmm. And you can play those cards like uh, Entrail Rend or my, I don't know if I want to call it my favorite, but, but Curb Stomp really sends a chill down my spine uh, when I look at that art. And uh, there's also, you have your pack of werewolves, which you pre-select before mm -hmm. the game. Yes. And you assemble out there. And then there's also, uh, of course, the hunting ground in the middle. So that's, that's pretty much what you see when you approach the game. I kind of want to talk about the werewolves themselves, because uh, as a, as a VTES player, mm -hmm. I didn't see a whole lot of flavor coming from the werewolves themselves. It seems like there's just this, like this random... Uh, smattering of powers. The only theme I really saw was that the the bone gnars are kind of goofy with like banana split. <laughs> yes, um, they do have some really funny names. Werewolf the Apocalypse. Some of the tribes are a little bit more easy to differentiate from each other. Obviously, Rage is based on werewolf. 
and some of the tribes are either really, really stereotypical, and sometimes that comes across and it, it seems a little goofy, or they're sometimes a little hard to tell apart because you don't have necessarily all of the powers from Werewolf ported directly into Rage itself. You do have some of them, and they differentiate some of what's going on. Obviously, some of the tribes are have a lot more flavor to them, um, and that's kind of some of what's been going on with the fan sets is kind of bumping up some of the tribes because, honestly, some of the tribes, what originally happened is because... the because you've got it spread across so many groups to start with, with a relatively small card pool, there were some tribes that only had five cards they could use. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to give them too much flavor, and um, some of the early um, characters didn't have a whole lot of flavor going on with them. I mean, the Stargazers were pretty well, look, we're ninjas, but we're werewolves, and we have martial arts. And we're kind of Eastern flavored. So the Silver Fangs are technically the kings. And they had a lot of stuff that let them kind of control things. They had a lot of political things that let them do let, let them do stuff. And could control kind of what was going on in the board and on the board in many cases. Like they could stop combats or start combats depending on what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of control things. The Shadow Lords were very good at being scary. They're probably one of the most powerful groups. Um, they're kind of supposed to be set up as the, the rivals to the Silver Fangs, plotting behind their back to take over all the time. And they have lots of under, underhanded, dirty, nasty tricks um, to pull out. The Bonars are obviously kind of funny because they're, they're kind of a little bit on the slapstick side because they're sort of the urban, poor kind of... They're kind of like that embarrassing urban movie in some cases. <laughs> where they've got these goofy names and mm-hmm. kind of dumb and kind of thing. I, I, I love the Bonars, um, in, especially in Werewolf, because they're kind of set up as the underdog sort of thing. Literally the underdogs. They're pretty well the bottom of the pile. So they have a lot of survival-oriented things. And they have a lot of things where they're kind of... They're using something that they really shouldn't be do- using to do something um, because they can't do it any other way. Um, like, I'm trying to think of, I mean, you have, you have characters like Banana Split, um, Cheesy Poofs, Fine Wine, <laughs> a lot of their names are food oriented. Um, I gotta say I'm quite partial to Root Beer Charlie. Yes. Uh, He's definitely my favorite. I'd love to run to him in a, uh, werewolf game. Like, hi, I'm a Root Beer Charlie, renowned for taking down the Pentex. Yeah, yeah, a lot of goofy stuff with them. They're really funny. Uh, Fine Wine is probably one of my favorites of the bo- Bonars, um, who's a lupus, which means they're a wolf. But the character art for them and the setup, basically what they have the setup that they can try and do stuff that they really shouldn't be able to do. And they have a 50-50 chance of it actually working. You know, it's the kind of, I go berserk and I'm a drunk. And literally the character art has this j- big... Krinos werewolf beating someone with a bottle of liquor. Nice. They took their liquor, now they're beating it with it. Um, so the, the Bonars are definitely in the kind of funny category. Uh, the Glasswalkers are supposed to be sort of the look where the uh, technological wizard sort of things that we've adapted to urban warfare. Uh, the Get of Fenris are supposed to be Norse themed and really badass. Uh, all kinds of stuff like that. 
and it's it's kind of you know we're as we're going through doing fan sets we're trying to give kind of them more backstory and and uh things to do that really make sense thematically for each of the tribes kind of give them each a hook of what it is they do some of them are easier to do than others like i said we're working on the, the ahadi block right now and the set we're working on that right now is called um cursive set which is about the silent striders who are an egyptian group of werewolves kind of related to the pharaohs and death and all that sort of thing and anubis and the underworld and basically the backstory in the white wolf universe on what is going on with them is originally they were sort of the werewolves that were in egypt and so on and they got into a fight with the followers of set who appear in vampire the masquerade and vampire the eternal struggle as well um who follow the dark god set and uh, got into a fight with them and were cursed by the Settites so that they cannot return to their homeland and also cannot speak with their dead anymore, which is kind of ironic considering they were originally associated with death and so on. And mm-hmm. Conveying that so that they can talk to every other kind of dead critter and uh, convey ghosts and stuff, but they can't talk to their own dead relatives. So uh, Curse of Set is, is basically dealing with that sort of set up and uh we're in egypt and the it's the one of the things that came up in the background with the ahadi for werewolf the apocalypse is the ahadi is sort of it's dealing with a whole lot of problems in africa but egypt is sort of in there as well and the werewolves kind of teamed up with the non-werewolves the the cats and so on as part of we'll we'll join up with you and help you with this problem if you'll come help us try and take back egypt from these vampires that have had it for 3,000 years so uh, yeah they're they're kind of at that point and uh, we will be introducing a new faction in here as a worm faction which will be will be using the the older term for the uh, followers of set we're going to be calling them the Walid set in here just to indicate this is more the very traditional uh, followers of set who kind of stayed in Egypt and are very very tied into that and not just generic kind of ones they're very actively evil and very actively fighting werewolves so it's it's not just some group of generic vampires it's a very specific group that's very tied into maintaining this millennia old curse and keeping the werewolves out of egypt Mm -hmm. yeah that's one of the things that really impressed me with the recent fan sets is that you've you add in a bunch of Bastet characters, mm-hmm. the Werecats. Yes. Uh, when they only had, they had a couple cards in uh, War of the Amazon. Yes. Uh, and this really, this really expanded them. Uh, and you're also putting in the, the followers of Set now. Mm-hmm. Uh, do these new factions or or expanded factions add any like new interesting mechanics or or anything like that, or is it are they still fairly similar to the werewolves that uh, came before in the original? Uh, rage sets um the bastet are kind of very similar in general setup to the werewolves we're kind of trying to give each of them their kind of their own little flavor um because they're now generic cards that are usable by bastet and then there's a few special little flavory things for each of the bastet tribes uh that appeared and when we just put out hellcats which is the latest set that came out that really dealt with the bastet we'd kind of sprinkled some bastet stuff before then kind of putting out some little breadcrumbs of what was coming and then the hellcats introduced as new factions it introduced the simba and the bagheera 
who are respectively the lions and the leopards, who are the effectively the good werecats, and it also introduced at the same time it introduced the hellcats, who are basically the flip side of that. They're the evil worm-corrupted ones, who are the bad guys, who actually in Werewolf the Apocalypse, they apparently appear in the um, Met rulebook, like the Apocalypse Met rulebook for right near the end, and then the first appearance that most people see of them is in the Apocalypse book that ended the game line. Um... (laughs) So, because Rage effectively did not have the world end at the same time that the World of Darkness ended um, and is going past then, we're kind of projecting out a little bit farther past that. So there's a little bit more build-up time and kind of uh, build-up in there. So what we basically did with the Hellcats, because we knew the Hellcats officially showed up in this apocalypse scenario, basically um, they have a very scant write-up in the apocalypse scenario, and basically it sort of says, it's the Coelacan, which are one of these Bastet tribes who were allegedly were descended from the European wildcat and had mated with fairies and stuff, and also European lions, and apparently everything else that moved, and were really kind of generic and sort of this, let's tie in werecats with fairies somehow, and, um, Somewhere in there, they decided, White Wolf decided, you know what, let's kill them all. And in an update after the Bastet book, they literally did kill all of the Coelacan. They had them, they had a giant party somewhere in Scotland, and the Black Spiral Dancers, who are the evil werewolves in the werewolf setting, showed up, dragged them all to hell, effectively. And that was the end of them, until the Apocalypse book, when they magically popped back up as bad guys. And now we're apparently three times as large, and descended from lions, and didn't make a whole lot of sense. Meanwhile, they'd also done as the backstory um, for the setup on the Ahadi, which is the African shapeshifter union, effectively. Um, there'd been this giant Simba, who's the obviously the lion here, uh, named Blacktooth. And he'd been kind of this dictator in Africa and just sort of this strong-arm dictator. And he had a um, giant pride of were-lions called the Endless Storm. And they were, you know, just kind of strong-armed in Africa and going, you're either with me or against me. And had been kind of strong-arming all of the other African shapeshifters. And if you were not doing what he thought, uh, he was going to kill you. And he literally went up to the Ajaba, who were the uh, hyenas, effectively, and said, you've forgotten what you're supposed to be doing. I'm going to kill you all. And did. He just completely wiped them out. He called them all together and pretty well killed them all down to about 20. And there were about 20 that didn't make it to the meeting and escaped he just got progressively worse and worse and was just this giant, horrible, worm-tainted dictator. You know, the power had gone completely to his head and was just this terror and literally ate people for their powers, hunted them down, killed them, ate their brains, stole their powers. Every bad thing that you could think of, they kind of just threw on this one guy, this one character, and uh, basically the Ahadi formed just to kill Blacktooth and his pride. The setup in the werewolf book is nobody knows who killed Blacktooth. He just suddenly he's dead. Um, and when he died, it actually set off a shockwave in the spirit world because him him dying was such a big deal because he he was such a terrible force for corruption and evil in Africa that it 
actually set off stuff. And um, so the the setup for Hellcats is sometime after this, um, within a, probably a few years. So the Ahadi has formed, the, the uh, Blacktooth is now dead, and they're kind of trying to sort out, should we stick together and continue working, or should we break up? The Hellcats are basically... Um, what we did as the background on them is basically, uh, so you had the Coelacan who are off in Europe somewhere, they get whacked by the black spirals, dragged to hell, and they're corrupted and stuff. But there aren't a lot of them. And meanwhile, in Africa, you have the Endless Storm, who are also worm-corrupted, and um, the Ahadi is hunting them all over Africa, trying to get rid of the last of them. So you've basically got these worm-tainted lions running around Africa, and then you have these uh, worm-tainted European lion sort of thingies that basically have all kinds of cool magic and deception type powers. And basically the setup we did is the Hellcats are actually both of those groups who have merged together in a kind of merger of convenience. The Coelacan know that they don't have the muscle power and uh, sheer oomph to actually survive versus all of the enemies that are out there. All they can kind of do is skulk around and stay hidden and stuff and try not to get killed by everyone else. The Endless Storm Simbo don't have the powers to hide very well. They, they were used to being sort of the lords of everything and are just not that sneaky. But boy, are they pissed off and angry and really strong. So you've kind of got these two groups together. And um, what the Guru and the Ahadi don't realize is they're actually fighting two groups um, that have joined together and become one group and are really trying really hard not to let anyone know that they're not one unified group. So that's kind of why there's a little bit of, um, even with the artwork, we did that to some extent. Either When we um, pitched the artwork to people, um, you had two options of how you were going to do the artwork. The more mystically inclined characters were supposed to be these much smaller, frailer looking ones that were the leftover coelacan and then the big combat characters were going to be more these lions and then the timeline that we're, that we're setting out towards the apocalypse is basically those two groups are going to merge together because they, um, they were kind of set up way back when in the original Bastet book as at some point they had been a single group and the coelacan had kind of merged off of the Simba, you know, a couple thousand years ago at some point, you know, and when they went into Europe and now it's merging back together. So they're start of, sort of starting to make this uh, amalgamation where they... They've got some of the powers of both groups, which is a really dangerous combo where they have these strong physically and they have all these nasty, nasty uh, magical tricks now. Whoa. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. And that's, uh, I think, a real good segue into how you can take rage and use it for inspiration in your role-playing games. Because the Hellcats right there are a, a new element that you can bring in, which have some basis in the werewolf the apocalypse storyline but you've uh, added some new ideas to it mm -hmm. uh, additionally it can just be really good just flip through some cards if you're a little uh if you don't have that many ideas just to like uh come up with some some new stuff for your story uh and all of that and actually one thing which i really want to use in it doesn't have to be werewolf it could be pretty much any kind of gritty game with uh where there might be a lot of combat just take the combat cards oh yeah and then just draw one and be like oh and your guy's earlobe gets torn off. We actually did have up on the the website an actual way to um, 
kind of kit bashed the um, actual combat cards into using them for the combat system for <laughs> Werewolf. It's on the webpage somewhere. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it might actually not be correctly linked at the moment. I'm doing some work on the webpage, so <laughs> it might not be visible right now, but you can definitely easily take that and particularly the Kylindo cards, which are the, the werewolf martial art, really lend mm -hmm. themselves to that because it's really kind of hard mentally to picture, what is this werewolf doing with martial art? Yeah, definitely. Could you uh, talk about that a little bit? Because the World of Darkness combat system is um, kind of terrible. I haven't used it for werewolf but I, I would think it would it would slow down and really kind of just grind along, unfortunately. Um, like I said, it should be on the webpage somewhere. Um, I haven't... We did kind of playtest it with my werewolf group ages and ages ago. Um, and basically it was kind of... Um, you could substitute... We'd put it in as you could substitute for it, it for an attack instead and spend out basically that way. Um, or even you, if you wanted to... You could probably easily take actually just the werewolf combat cards and... You know, pick a character, even from a tribe or something, that's about around the same rank as your character. Um, fiddle with them a little bit and uh, just use the combat system from Rage because the combat system from Rage is really, really fast and flows a lot faster than the actual werewolf combat system for the role-playing game. Because, I mean, with the role-playing game, you're throwing these fistfuls of dice and then counting and looking and stuff. And it can get kind of slow, especially if you have a character that has multiple actions um, doing that. And um, the combat system for Rage, it kind of boils down to you and your opponent are both going to lay down a combat card and then you simultaneously reveal it and it will take effect and you need to have this much rage or greater to play that type of combat card and there are specific combat cards that do specific moves and there are defenses um there's events that will bring in additional characters to help you so you can pound on things in you know piles um and that kind of thing the other tricky thing with rage is you can lie there's a mechanic called bluffing which is basically, you play a combat card you know is not legal. You know it's not legal. It's not going to work. Unless the person you're fighting opts not to play a card, plays an illegal card, which sometimes happens accidentally, or also bluffs. So you can have an itty-bitty tiny little rank one character who has one rage whip out the card entrail rend and if they pulled it off with enough panache and uh the other guy bluffed or didn't play a card for some reason he's like oh i can't hurt me i'm not gonna play a card to defend against that actually will kill you with it hmm that's pretty cool. So you're kind of playing this little game where you, you, this little psychological game where you, it's a little bit like poker in some in some ways, um, whether or not you love poker or hate poker, where you're kind of eyeing the other player, going, does he actually have a card that he can play that he has down, or is he got nothing, or is he going to bluff at me, um, because it is legal in a round to not play a card. So sometimes people will do that. They'll opt not to play a card because they think you're going to defend and they don't want to waste a good attack on you dodging it and that kind of thing. Uh, but if you happen to be that round, you happen to be playing that big bluff, you could kill them dead. I have seen that happen where, you know, big giant characters like, say, you know, King Al, who's supposed to be, who's not in invincible, be killed by itty bitty tiny characters that bluffed really well. So it's this very dramatic, very heroic kind of combat, and it 
it is very fast when it's going. And like I said, you can have these big pack combats where you assign an attack to each character. And they may not attack in that round, or you may opt to say, you know, you, you put a card down so it looks like they're playing something, and then at right before that, when you go to reveal, you'll put your hand over it and say no card. So they're not playing anything that, that round, and you take the cards back in your hand. Um, it's, it's actually easier to do the bluffing online using uh, Lackey, because you can type it in beforehand and have everything written up. Um, if, you, if you're playing with a huge pack of characters, uh, you know, you've got 20 characters all attacking one thing, uh, it becomes a little bit hard sometimes because you have all these combat cards out to um, actually manipulate them all. But usually I, when I'm teaching people to play um, and doing the combat, some people will say you, you should yank back the card. Normally what I tell people instead, if they're, if they're going to opt to not play a card... It, at, because you're doing simultaneous reveal effectively, um, is if you're not going to play that card, instead of having your hand on it, like you're going to flip it over, but you fake out and don't, um, slam your hand on it and say no card, because then it's very clear, and the, the other player can't be like, you saw my card first, and then freak, freaked out and didn't do it. <laughs> um, so sometimes you, you, you can kind of tell which players I have actually trained to play, because they're the ones that slap the table. Because <laughs> they do run cool. demos at stuff. Good. The other, the other thing that's really good about Rage and uh, with regard to role-playing games is that there's a lot of these cards for like spirits, like umbral spirits that you find with the the allies and the enemy cards and the uh, even the victim cards, and this can be really good for Werewolf Forsaken. You could also use them in in Werewolf the Apocalypse if you just need some ideas for like, oh, I'm going to describe the spirit, but it's not as effective because if you're just describing a skull pig, yeah, then you're players are going to know it's just a skull pig. Uh, but in Werewolf Forsaken, they're probably not going to be as familiar. Or maybe they'll think back to something from Werewolf the Apocalypse, and that, that could uh, give them an initial reaction to play off of. So that can be another cool thing. Other than that, uh, do you have any experience using Rage in your role-playing games, uh, other than that, that combat system that you were describing before? Because you do have some of the... Uh, a lot of the gifts and things are, are also reproduced mm -hmm. as um, stuff. So it gives you kind of a vague idea um, because you do have the artwork of it of kind of what does this look like when it's being used, um, which is not always well described in the books. Uh, I mean, some of them are yeah. really obvious as to what they're going to look like. It's like, oh, razor claws. Look, I have sharp claws. Um, but some of the other things that are, they're a little harder to, you know, what does this look like? Uh, you know, it gives you kind of an idea of what it what might look like while it's being actually used and kind of... Uh, if you're not always good with the descriptions uh, or even gives you some ideas of kind of how to manipulate it around um, just to give it more of a flavor or sometimes, sometimes even um, with things that look like they should be relatively obvious how they work. Sometimes you can, you can change it up if you're doing in werewolf, the apocalypse and say, you know, it looks like this when it's in the umbro, when you have like this actual spirit interaction that's helping you, um, for example, uh, there's because I've just been using it in a game a game recently. Um, there was a there's a gift that's called Inspiration, which is a very low level gift and is pretty generic sounding. It's like oh, I give a speech and I inspire people. Um, the artwork for that is very nice and it has kind of a kind of a, a setup of someone like literally releasing like a small 
glowing little spirit bird, which might be kind of interesting to do in the Umbra sort of thing, where it's kind of like they've given their, their the, the hopes and dreams kind of a physical rep- representation, which is sometimes really fun for that. Um, particularly with the worm critters, you know, it's great to grab the rage stuff, uh, even just for the artwork and sometimes for the powers too, because um, a lot of the worm critters, they're not very well detailed in some cases in the Werewolf the Apocalypse stuff as to exactly... You know, it's like, okay, you have a Fomori, and it's got some kind of horrible mutated pro- powers. There's a lot of Fomori characters that are in Rage and as enemies or as characters, and there's a whole bunch of things that they can use, and they've got pictures, and it gives you all kinds of ideas for alternate Fomori powers. So, you know, when your players are getting like, oh, yeah, 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 it's a Fomori, whatever. Oh, my God! So you, you've got kind of the, this stockpile of images and some extra powers that you can kind of pull out and surprise people with particularly with the bad guys. I mean, with the the actual guru, because it's so much taken from Werewolf the Apocalypse, you know, just straight up, you know, the gifts have the same names in many cases between the two games that there's... Um, I mean, they give you a good image of what to do with them, but you're probably not going to come back from Rage and introduce a new gift into your game that way or anything like that. But it can provide, you know, some kind of fun, especially if you have players that are having trouble visualizing or they can't really wrap their head around their own character and they can't draw or something you can hand them a bunch of things and it's like oh yeah now, now i now i really want to pick one of these and it's like yeah that's what my crinos form looks like that one right there <laughs> you know so that you don't have all the same things going on and you know it gives them that that more almost comic book kind of feel which sometimes werewolf just has when you're playing in general but having the images thrown in there also gives it kind of a layout with that and i, I really can't emphasize how much the art in rage is really really nice including with the fan sets which I, i'm not sure it was clear that they do have all original artwork some of the artwork is theoretically stock artwork from an artist, but it was usually not artwork that was sold for another game. It was usually artwork that they did for some, you know, personal project or just, I want to draw a werewolf, that sort of thing. But about half of it was actually, mm-hmm. um, is custom just for Rage and appears in Rage, just for the fan sets itself. And in some cases with the background with Werewolf the Apocalypse, because so many of the characters in Rage were drawn from the various werewolf books. Um, If you're using some of these books that says, you know, oh, okay, there's an NPC that's named this, uh, they may well exist in Rage, and there may well be a picture which can be very convenient. There's actually a Werewolf the Apocalypse book that's called Rage, Warriors of of the Apocalypse, which actually gives you all of the stats for um, all of the Rage characters. And I actually consider it a really handy book. You can frequently find it on discount, at uh, various retailers because for whatever reason people didn't pick it up but it's a really handy thing if you just need a book of NPCs that you can grab um, right off the bat because it does have the stats for a lot of the big um, signature characters that aren't statted in any book except for the book on Rage which is a little odd so if you really want the stats for you know the big famous characters in Werewolf like Lord Albert, Mari Carbra and that their stats appear in Rage, and Rage has lots of pictures of them, of what they look like, so if you're going to run a big, high-concept campaign like that, um, it does provide you lots and lots of uh, visual examples to uh, work with, which is very nice. Yeah, and that actually just reminded me that there's actually two Rage novels, I believe. Uh, we just talked about all the different Old World of Darkness fiction in our last episode, so uh, have you read either of those? Are there any good? I think that's Breathe Deeply and The Silver Crown. 
if I remember correctly. I think there might be one more, but I think that was through like Harper Collins or something, which were all pretty terrible. Yeah, I think the Harper Collins ones um, offered you could send in for a free promo card, something or other, um, which were which were all pretty terrible. The, the the cards were kind of neat, but the, the the actual books were pretty terrible. The two that White Wolf produced, which were Breathe Deeply and uh, The Silver Crown, are actually something that um, if you're dealing with Werewolf the Apocalypse, uh, weirdly enough, you probably actually want to pick them up, even, even though they say they're a rage novel, because it tells you really important background details about the overarching plot in Werewolf. The Silver Crown details basically... Um, how you went from Lord Albrecht, who appears in basically um, Werewolf Second Edition. If you if you've ever picked up Werewolf Second Edition, there's this big comic book in the front and back, and it has yep. the whole thing with with Lord Albrecht in it, and um, the big him and Mari fighting across the combat pages. And uh, the Silver Crown basically tells you how you went from Lord Albrecht in Second Edition to in Third Edition. You have King Albrecht, who's this big new happy um, everyone savior sort of figure and everyone's really excited because he's one of the new kings of the Silver Fangs and now they are entering a new age of glory. But it's not detailed in any book except the Silver Crown. Um, and that's a pretty decent read. Breathe Deeply is not as important but is probably actually better written, I would say, than the Silver Crown. It's kind of a weird setup. Um, it's actually mentioned in the Mokole Breed book. It's it assumes that you read that book before you start reading the Mokole book, uh, which is very strange. The setup in Breathe Deeply is a... I'm pretty sure he's a glasswalker. Came into contact with some type of Fomori that spreads a terrible plague called Fever. I don't remember what kind of contact he had. <laughs> I think it's implied sexual contact. Um, hmm. And... Um, gets this terrible plague thing and he has to go to the Amazonian rainforest to try and find a cure for it and has to go deal with the Mokole who have some kind of ancestral memory of that and he gains the trust of the Mokole who really hate the Guru and then you have the setup and uh, the Mokole book where he's narrating the Mokole book effectively and going to go see the Mokole as being this trusted guru that they can interact with. Uh, and it's a, it's a pretty decent read. It's a, it is some strange parts in it, but um, it's, it's a pretty decent read. Those two are pretty good. Most of the werewolf fiction that was done under contract to, like I said, I believe it's Harper Collins, uh, but I'm not 100% sure. They did some stuff. I'm trying to remember what they were called. Yeah, they but... were just so awful. Um, it had stuff like werewolves playing football. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you know, like, oh, look, and there's like an elder of the guru hanging out in their bathroom. And <laughs> I mean, it's just completely incomprehensibly bad. Um, there was one of them that was relatively amusing. I think it might be Wormwolf but I'm not sure which has them looking for... It's like a murder mystery at a gaming con. Oh, yeah. And there's a werewolf there. Yeah, I, I think it's Wormwolf, but I'm not 100% sure. It was one of the less terrible ones. <laughs> Most of them were really bad. There was one more that I... I can't remember if it was marketed as a rage book or as a werewolf book, and I believe it's called Call to Battle, the Saga of Jay No Name. 
and it was supposed to be part of a trilogy, which thankfully they never did anything with. Um, and he's supposed to be like a guru bastet hybrid thing, and he reads like the worst fan fiction ever. I have never actually read the book. So yeah, the the, the two rage specific rage books are pretty decent. The, the two that were produced by White Wolf, uh, you can find them online every now and then. Um, I'm actually a rare book dealer by uh, trade, so I will tell you where you can find them. You should use a service that's called AdAll, um, and you want to use used.adall.com, and basically that'll that'll crawl about fifty different book sites at once, including Amazon, all of the Amazons, including the foreign ones. Uh, it'll include some foreign language sites that you probably wouldn't want to search otherwise, uh, just looking for it. And it will, if you're really interested in that werewolf fiction, you, you want to see it and you can't find it, uh, use that and it will frequently, you can almost always find, somebody's got a copy a copy of those available somewhere. It's not, frequently they're not available on Amazon, which is everyone's first choice for where to go to look, of course, or eBay. Uh, but then you got to keep looking back there. Uh, but that'll crawl all of them once. Uh, you may not want to pay the price that the person is asking, but uh, it will show you some available options. And like I said, including ones that are uh, non-US based. Well, I think we've exhausted all of my questions about Rage. So Fenris, could you talk about where uh, a lot of the Rage fans hang out on the internet? And then maybe you can talk about your used bookstore as well? Okay, sure. We do have a Facebook page. Oh, God. Facebook. Um, we actually have a Facebook and a Twitter account set up, and um, it is, in fact, set up to talk to each other. So if you're using, say, Lackey, and you want to come on and play, there are instructions for how you can send that message to the Twitter account, which will send it out to other Rage players that have subscribed to the Twitter account. And... Uh, automatically post it to the Facebook page saying, I am online looking to play right now and uh, will usually do a relatively decent job of summoning someone to play you right then. But if you, you don't want to go through that, they're usually the scheduled game is normally on Friday night, uh, which is Friday night fight. We don't care what time zone it is. Whatever it is, log in it's on Friday. And we have a Rage Forum through ProBards which has all kinds of stuff going on it. On it. Um, there are um, some play-by-post games as well for people that do not have the time to sit down and play a complete game online. You can do a play-by-post, which basically updates once a day uh, with actions, and it usually takes, depending, depending on how many players are in the game and how sneaky people are being, uh, I have had play-by-post games uh, finish up in three days if I had two really aggressive players because um, I'm a moderator on the forum, so I'm on pretty frequently because I have to do business online. Mm -hmm. So in between doing database queries, I will check in and uh, update the uh, play-by-post. Um, and I have some have had some that take a month if some players are not very fast on responding. Um, so you can do it that way as well. Um, you can ask all kinds of questions on the Rage Forum, uh, find out all kinds of good stuff. I do occasionally post some stuff over on Chat and Essence, but uh, that's not... BoardGameGeek.com, which is a general um, gaming site for board games and CCGs of all kinds, does have a rage entry, and it does have all kinds of stuff on there. Um, it has uh, it has lots of pictures that you can look at. Um, it has some pictures of people playing and that kind of stuff. It does have its own little forum on there, and um, it has a section on there called Session Reports, 
um, where people can post reports of their game. Um, I post a lot of those. I write up almost every game I play. If it's a play, if it's a play test game, I'm definitely writing it up. Um, usually, I will write up other games just for that, um, and you'll get effectively a blow by blow of what was going on, with sometimes snort, little snippy asides and some role playing stuff thrown in. Um, particularly with the uh, the play by post games, it does somewhat lend itself to also to some role playing as well because you can throw in some additional snark in there. But uh, if you're interested in seeing how it plays, you can um, look up on the um, Board Game Geek and you can see um, playtest reports of what's going on with the, the new set. Um, if you look up on there, the, the one I would recommend reading of the current ones is there's one that's called Hungry Hungry Hippos, um, which is about the, the, the new cursive set cards, which is, involves the Walid set, and they have a card called Hippopotamus Ghoul. And um, I played a game uh, testing them where um, basically I was killing my own allies for por- points and then leaving the corpse on other people's doorstep to get them in trouble. Uh, that was Hungry Hungry Hippos, um, which is which is a delightfully evil uh, new trick to do. There is a live journal which is almost never used. Every now and then someone will post on it. The main Rage website that you can download stuff is... Uh, actually hosted on my business website, which is, I own a bookstore. Um, the bookstore address is rainydaypaperback.com. And if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you'll see a little banner for Rage that's down there at the bottom of the page, and it will take you right to the Rage thing without having to go through, input lots of stuff. And uh, you can look at it there. And there's all kinds of stuff on the main Rage site, which includes all the downloadable um decks instructions for downloading lackey so you can play online a link to the rage forum some strategy on how to do stuff some decks uh, you know decks and how to play them that sort of thing uh there's all kinds of links to all of the artists that have worked on rage so if you've ever looked at you know looked at the rage card and going oh i want to know more about that artist they're, they're probably linked off of there like i said i'm doing some maintenance at the moment so by the time this is up i may have actually finished the maintenance but uh there's the storyline for Rage, um, which was done up to a certain point before we stopped doing that. Um, the forum does have someone that is doing a storyline set for the Ahadi block as well. The uh, storyline that's available on the main Rage page is from the New England group. But it's a big, long chunk if you want some werewolf fiction that was sort of officially approved by White Wolf. There is also a mailing list through Yahoo, which is also linked off the main Rage page if you want to use that, um, which is sometimes active, sometimes not. Um, It has a lot of trades and stuff on it. There is a trade board that's available through the Rage Forum, um, and you can, sometimes if you are on the Rage Forum and you want to if you have other card games where you've got 87 million commons for that game and you'd like to trade them for some rage ga- rage cards, you can probably arrange a trade on trade on the rage forum that way. Well, Fenris, uh, thank you very much for your extensive overview of rage from the uh, history of the game all the way through to the rules and mechanics. I know it ran pretty long, but uh, I think we had a very good in-depth discussion. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. And we're signing off.